So this is John 10, verses 1 to 10, and it's um, headed, The Good Shepherd and His Sheep. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and robber. The one who enters by the gate, gate, is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep (laughs) follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him. Because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So we find in John 10 that Jesus takes something which is really common and familiar And he uses it to illustrate something mysterious and divine. Sheep. And a gate. Jesus took what they would have known about sheep and he used it to explain who he is and his relationship with people. See in verse 1 he says, Very truly I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber as Jackie explained to us the Pharisees thought they were the shepherds of the people that people were their flock and Jesus explained that they were more like thieves and robbers taking something that wasn't theirs they cared very little for the sheep in verse 2 the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. Stop there. At that time, when Jesus was speaking, in the towns, there would probably be a a sheepfold that was big enough for various shepherds to put their sheep in. Probably attached to a house. We haven't got any evidence of that in terms of photographs, obviously. (laughs) But a lot of the um, historians would say that that's kind of how it would work and you have a bigger sheep fold. And the sheep would be together and a gatekeeper would let 
the various shepherds in in a morning and each shepherd would call his own sheep and then he would lead them out the sheep they're in need of a shepherd who comes legitimately into the sheepfold through the gate and calls his sheep by name The second half of verse 2 says, And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Now, I'm not sure how clever sheep are. But suppose they know that their shepherd knows their name. That he calls them by their name. That he leads them. That he feeds them. That he protects them that he cares for them and supremely that he saves them from dying at the hands of wild animals. Just suppose that a sheep has worked all that out. Wouldn't they strain to hear every word he says? Wouldn't they follow everywhere that he leads? I think they might. And in verse 4, it carries on, Speaking of the shepherd, when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because, why? They know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. But of course, Jesus wasn't really talking about sheep, was he? He was talking about the people in that place who are rather like sheep in a fold. It was like a picture, it was like an illustration. And he speaks to us too, in this place, today. And to those people, when they realise that they're loved and known in such a deep way, they listen out for the voice of the one who cares for them. They long to hear him speaking. They hear the voices of strangers, but they avoid them. They follow all he says. They know that that voice can be trusted. It's true and trustworthy. So they trust him. They want to know him more. They recognize his voice as it speaks with some kind of authority. It's the voice of the one to whom they belong. And they delight in that. So even if sheep can't work that out, people can. So here's a question for you. Have you listened for the voice of God? How do we hear his voice? Yesterday, I had the privilege of going with about a dozen or so people from here to a leaders conference in uh, Woodstock Road in Oxford. And Tim Chester, who's written a lot of books, um, he was speaking and as often happens when you're thinking about saying something in a service things piece together and you think oh that was really helpful because that resonates with what I was thinking Um, and it would be probably far better for you to listen to something he says than me but um, I'm going to pinch just a couple of things he said which struck me yesterday he said that God has spoken in the Bible past tense he inspired the writers at that point, by the Holy Spirit. So God has spoken. And it's written in here, and that's what we're reading, John 10. 
It's written. But then he said that God also speaks. Present tense. He speaks to the reader by the Holy Spirit. So God inspired it when it was written. God speaks to us as we read it, both by the Holy Spirit. The word, this, is alive. And it comes alive as we read it by the life-giving spirit. It's not just a book. One of the things Tim said yesterday, which again really resonated with me, was if God wanted to teach you about prayer, he could have just put something much smaller than this together. He probably could have written it on that with a few bullet points and said, Rob, here are the key facts about prayer. You need to do that, that and that. Here's your process. Maybe a couple of pages. But he could have taught me some facts about prayer. But he didn't. He's written a complicated book. And just like you and I, we're complicated. People are not as simple as a bullet point list. And when we're listening for the voice of God, we're listening to the person of God. And you won't ever fully understand everything about God. You couldn't contain it even in a book. But as we read it, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. We hear the voice of God. It comes alive as we read it by the life-giving Spirit. The Bible isn't a list of information and facts to learn. It's God himself speaking to us. We meet God in the Bible. Paul wrote, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, with Christ. Alive. It's a living God who speaks, who spoke And we find his voice as we look into the Bible. That's why this morning we've looked at John 10 three times already. Why? Because every time we look at it, God might say something different to us. He's a living God. It's not just about the words that you're learning for an exam. This is a living God speaking. So thank you, Tim, for some help. I really enjoyed that yesterday. (laughs) Um, Helpful, I found that. The risen and ascended Christ speaks with us. We have communion with him. So don't just read the Bible. Listen to God speaking to you. Treasure this relationship. Paul wrote, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. For whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. How does that happen? You read this book and the living spirit is the voice of God to your heart and to your mind and to your soul. So back to John 10 in verse 6. Jesus used this figure of speech about the gate and the shepherd coming in, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Understanding God is not like learning facts, as we've said. It's more like getting to know a person. And God is patient with our slowness of mind. So therefore, in verse 7, Jesus said again, very truly, this is important. 
I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Interestingly, Jesus doesn't repeat what he said earlier. He doesn't just say the same thing again. He deepens the imagery. Before, he spoke of the shepherd going through the gate to the sheep. And now he says, he is the gate. Both are true. So what did Jesus mean when he said, I am the gate? Well, the gate to the sheepfold, as we saw in those pictures, was narrow. It was the way into the safety of the sheepfold. It was the way in for the sheep. But it was also the way into the sheep for the shepherd. The gatekeeper let the true shepherd in through the gate. The Lord Jesus, he's both the one who saves and the way of salvation. He's the gate from death to life for all who pass through. We said earlier about those big sheepfolds that you found in towns. Well, as well as those, there were the ones that would be out in the fields. And we saw a painting of one of those. Smaller sheepfolds would exist. And the, the shepherd would have his sheep in the fold at night to protect them. And would himself lie down in the entrance. And in this part of John 10, Jesus appears to refer to the imagery of that smaller sheepfold. Where the shepherd himself is the actual gate not just the way in, but the, the barrier, the protection for the sheep. In verse 8, we're nearly there, so only 10 verses. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, Jesus said, but the sheep have not listened to them. As Jackie said in the Old Testament, the Pharisees would have been familiar with evil shepherds who didn't have the best interest of the sheep at heart. They were like thieves and robbers, and even sheep know to be wary of the voice of strangers. And in contrast, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And we'll be looking at that next week because it follows on. Verse 9, I am the gate, Jesus said. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He says it again. Jesus is the gate. People are like sheep. The only way into the sheepfold is through the gate. God made a way for people to come to him. Jesus came into the world and opened a way to the Father, like a gate. Jesus is the way, the only way into the church, the only way into the family of God, the body of Christ. It's through Jesus. And the second half of verse 9 and Verse 10 says this. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There are many voices in our world that long for our attention. But the voice of our maker, the voice of our saviour, oh, to hear that voice. It's the voice that speaks life to us. Or you could say, oh, to be a sheep. If you say nothing when you go home, say that. I want to be a sheep. In fact, we nearly sung the song this morning that was um, 
I want to be a sheep, ba ba ba. I want to be a sheep, ba ba ba. Why? Because that was sticking your head, but now I've said it, it probably will. But why? Because it's important. Oh, to be a sheep. Why? Because you're named. Your name is written in the book of life. Why? Because you're called. I've called you by name, you're mine. Just like the shepherd calls a sheep. Why? Because you're led. Jesus said, follow me. It's not about me following you, follow me. Why? Because you're fed. I was slightly jealous earlier because you got biscuits, didn't you? So the illustration of going out to pasture was um, malted biscuits, which had a picture of a cow on, which was highly appropriate. But that was pasture, it was food. Why do you want to be a sheep? Because they're fed, they're led, they're called, they're named. Why? Because they're blessed. Life in all its fullness. The relationship with the one that wrote this. Blessed life in all its fullness. Because they're cared for. God gives good things. Why? Because they're protected even through the shadow of the valley of death. The great shepherd psalm. Even through that place of despair, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff, things of a shepherd, what do they do? They comfort me. And that's not just patting me on the head. Comfort also means to nudge and to move along, like you do with sheep sometimes that are going the wrong way. And finally, why do I want to be a sheep? Well, Jesus said they'll be saved. And you and I, we were bought with a price. We were dead in our sins, but through the gate of the Lord Jesus, we are alive in Christ. So to finish, I was reminded of a verse from Romans 11. It's 11.36. Because this is ultimately not about sheep or the sheep. It's about God's glory that he's praised, that he's adored, that he's worshipped. This verse in Romans says, For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. For from him God made the way. Through him Jesus the gate. And for him we're owned. We're for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen.